let that continue to resonate in your heart. God's been trying all week to get your attention and now he's got it. So let's just rest in it for just a moment. Isn't that the most precious gift that you can give is time. to us that you give us a new heart, that you take out the stony heart and that you give us a heart of flesh. And what that means is it's a heart that you're able to write on. It's a heart that you breathe on. It's a heart that receives what you have to give. And Father, you have perfect and total healing. You have perfect and total restoration. And Father, your heart's desire is that their heart would be in complete and total unison with you, not missing a beat missing a step, and that any kind of heart condition that has been spoken by the doctor would not hinder this life, not hinder what they are called to do, not hinder the uh, desires in their heart. I see, uh, I see you running and not being held back. So Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we declare in these bodies new hearts with perfect rhythm that beats in perfect unison with you. And we're created in your image and in your likeness for your purpose. So our hearts beat in unison with our Father's heart. And those of you that are being prayed for, if you would right now just say, I have a heart that beats in unison with my Father's heart. And those of you that are praying over them, declare that over them right now. You have a heart that beats in unison with your Father's heart. Your heartbeat is perfect perfectly pulsing with the pulse and the rhythm of heaven with every heartbeat in Jesus name in Jesus name receive that just take hold of it right now I declare I receive my new heart in Jesus name thank you father thank you lord 
God, you are good, and you do fun stuff just because you're our dad, and you love to do fun stuff with your kids. So I thank you for what you have planned for us today, and we honor you. We praise you that you are already moving and doing miracles among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Man, Mana, way to let it loose. <laughs> so good. Well, this is the first uh, Sunday of the month. And the first Sunday of the month, what we like to do is we like to pray over your finances. We don't um, do a, like a tithing message every week. And we don't take time in our services to pass a plate or anything like that. We believe that your offerings and your tithes are a form of worship between you and God. So from the inception of our church, we have never done that, passed plates and hats to take up offerings. We believe that as you are equipped in knowledge and learning about God and your worship, that's one way that you worship him. So this morning, I have asked a very precious member of our team, Miss Kelly, to come up and she has a word of encouragement and she's going to pray over us and our finances this morning. So you guys, welcome Kelly. Thank you, Pastor Lynette. Um, I have the honor of getting to um, steward. Um, I don't know. I don't actually steward She's it. She's our <laughs> chief financial officer. But let me just tell you that there is not a cent that comes through here that isn't considered precious. And it's such an honor. The whole team just is so honored that you would believe in N3C enough to partner with us. Um, I feel like tithing is one of those um, uncomfortable conversations, and I really think a lot of the reason why is because just like the form of worship that we did just a minute ago, which was amazing, yeah. <laughs> um, tithing is a form of worship. And that sounds a little bit funny, except it is a heart condition, and it is out of the obedience of your heart that you give. And so whether you give here or you give anywhere else it's about paying attention to where god's leading you and it's just part of that um if you're sitting here and you don't really know what tithing is i would just encourage you to go find a teaching um i'm sure we have one that we could dig up that we have done because when my husband and i first started coming to church a long time ago um we would give like 50 dollars every so often and for us at that time it was like we are really big supporters. <laughs> and if you're at that place, keep doing it. That's awesome. And then we received a teaching that told us that, you know, the tithing was a full 10% and it wasn't about God wanting your money and keeping you in this like place. It was about, um, so in Malachi, it said in Malachi chapter three, it talks about the principle of tithing and he says, test me. But I always thought it was like, test me. Like my dad being like, just come in after curfew, <laughs> right? Like, you test me on this and see what I'll have for you. But in fact, what it is, is he's like, come on, test me. I got something so good for you. Like, come on, test me. Give, give me my little bit, not because I need it, but because I want your obedience mm -hmm. and because I want your heart. And let me just tell you, like, I can't say that once we started tithing, you know, our bank account just opened up. But I can tell you, we've had this huge journey of favor and protection and all the things that don't happen, mm. right? Like, we, 
when we get sick, we don't get real sick. And I can't tell you how far we've drove on vehicles that shouldn't have been driving. (laughs) And, like, we've watched storms break up, um, like, right over our house and go around us. And I think you have to start looking. It's not always about the the earthly exchange that we're used to with money mm-hmm. as far as, like, I give you this, I get this back. That's not that's not how it works. It's a lot of, like, I give you this, but, man, he gives you all, all of this other stuff. But you've got to be watching for it. You've got to be seeing it. So, anyway, the, um, the verse, one more thing. I watch a lot of stuff, and I really, truly believe that a lot of the stuff that we're seeing happening – there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a resource shift from worldly things to the kingdom. And you're going to see it, and you're part of it. So take a hold of that, because it doesn't matter in God's kingdom. It does not matter what the gas prices are, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what the policy is. Yes. God, you bring yourself, when you tithe, you bring yourself under his authority, under his way, his order, and that's what we go by. Mm-hmm. So the verse that I have isn't really even a tithing verse, but it's Proverbs 3.9. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension, every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontrollable source of joy. Mm. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you guys would just honor me and let me pray over you. Father God, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you so much for every family and every business that is represented here today and every family and business that is not able to be with us today that does partner with N3C. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for their hearts, for their obedience to trust you. And as they have aligned their household and their businesses with your will and your ways, Lord, I ask that you would bless them with new and creative ideas that would drive their business that they would be blessed as they go in and as they go out. Father, I pray that you would provide them with clarity as they navigate these unique and often difficult times. And I declare, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, in the coming months, we would begin to see the miraculous shifting of resources from broken worldly systems to those aligned with the kingdom of God. I ask you, God, for a hedge of protection to be around their hearts, their minds, and their souls as they go. And we are sure to give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you not love her? (laughs) She is part of your N3C team, and it is an honor and a pleasure to get to work with Kelly Dale. We love her very much. She is a gift. And she she has supernatural wisdom on how to... Take what God is giving and use those resources in supernatural ways that they have the most impact in what she's doing. Her husband is shaking his head. She's amazing. So that is Kelly Dale. If you've never met her before, she is part of our team here at N3C that serves you every week. So anyway, uh, this morning, I am pretty giddy to get to be up here with you today because today, how many of you have had children that uh, like the day that their birthday party is over, they say, mommy, I know what I want to do next year for my birthday. (laughs) There's a hand raised right back there. Yep. I know right now what I want to do. I don't know at what age that stops, but I can sincerely say at 50, I'm not doing that 
anymore. So <laughs> I'm not telling my husband the day after my birthday. I don't know what I want to do for my birthday next year. Anyway, what I'm saying is that there are certain celebrations that we observe that we honor every year. And some people as children get super excited about those yearly celebrations and those things that come around and they have big plans for them. And today is a very special day. It is a yearly celebration. And if you look on your calendar, what you would have seen is today is the day of Pentecost. And uh, for some of you, you may, if you've been coming to this church for very long, you've heard this line often is, well, if you see that, you might think, well, I'm not Jewish. So what does that have to do with me? If you're new here, that is the question that you're asking. If you've been here for some time, you know that that has everything to do with you, that it's not a Jewish thing, it's a Godish thing. And as we press into God, we press into the things that are those marked celebrations and those marked times for him. And today happens to be one of those. It is the day of Pentecost, and it is a very special day to God. Pentecost, penta meaning 50, is the 50th day after Passover was observed. And the very first Pentecost took place after God rescued the Hebrew children out of Egypt. They were in Egypt. And if you have ever seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, <laughs> how many people watch that anymore? Do people still watch that? Okay, yes. <laughs> so if it is when God's people were in slavery in Egypt, the death angel passed over. They anointed their doors with the blood of the lamb. The death angel passed over. And after a series of events, Pharaoh said, get out. I'm tired of you guys being here. We can't handle any more of the plagues that are coming, so go. So God's people left Egypt. They went to the wilderness, and 50 days after Passover, what happened is God spoke to Moses, and he said, bring all of my people together. I want them to gather at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and I'm going to come down, and I'm going to speak with them. And what happened is in Exodus chapter 19, if you want to read more about that in in-depth, I'm not going to go into depth into that right now, but go into Exodus in chapter 19 and you can read more about that. But I'm just going to read this to you. It says in, uh, starting in verse 16, it says, then it came to pass on the third day in the morning, which that's the time that we're in right now, that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called to Moses, called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Now, in these days, we don't have a Moses. Look at your neighbor and say, Moses is dead. So, 
It is not Moses ascending to the top of the mountain anymore. It's not your pastor ascending to the top of the mountain. It's not somebody that you think is more spiritual and more holy ascending to the top of the mountain. God calls every single one of us to ascend into his presence, to come up into his presence. And today is a day that if you were to mark it out on a graph somehow, that the presence of God is reaching down from heaven. And when we recognize those times where God has a Kairos moment in mind, an appointed moment in mind that God is reaching down to his people and is when his people are intentionally aware of those moments, they reach up in heart and in true worship with him, giving their hearts and lifting their hearts to him, there is a meeting that takes place just like what took place on Mount Sinai. And at that time, God ordained that this would be observed every year after that, that we would remember that. Not because God says, hey, I just want you guys to remember me. It's because God is saying, this is an appointed time in my heart. And I have ordained a kairos, an appointed moment, a a divine connection for my people in this moment. And if they will be aware and be reaching up to me, I will do exceedingly abundantly above all they can ask or think. That's the moment that we're sitting in right now, this morning, here, together, on the day of Pentecost. I start the service off with this because today is a day of expectation. I came with a, I always come to church with expectation, but today I came with more. And I wanted to share this with you at the beginning of service, because right now, if you're sitting in your chair and you put it into neutral, that's not what we're doing. We're not doing that. We don't do that here. If you're new here, we don't have neutral here, okay? We're putting it into overdrive today, And so right now, I want to pray over us as we enter into the rest of the service together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you full attention this morning. We give you our undivided heart. We give you our whole heart. Father, we give you permission to move. Father, we purpose in our hearts to be good hosts to you this morning. Father, we open this space, we open this time for you to move. We put no limits on you. If you are in agreement with that right now, just say that within yourself or out loud. God, I put no limits on you this morning. If you need healing in your physical body, if you need healing in your soul, in your emotions, in your mind, if you need healing of heart emotionally and physically, expect right now. Father, we're not putting any limits on you. If you need your marriage healed, you need your family healed. If you need supernatural provision of increase in finances, if you need peace of mind, if you need healing of depression, if you need healing from thoughts that bombard you that are not of God, right now, God, we put no limits on you. And I want to say that there is communion over here. And if at any point in time during service, you feel like I just need to get up and take communion with God right now, I open that up. You're not going to disturb me. You're not going to disturb anybody else. 
If at any point in time you feel that, if at any point in time you feel like I just need to, I need to go to the front and get on my knees before God. I was hearing this too, that like if at any point in time you just feel like I need to take my shoes off because I'm on holy ground. If you wore clean socks today, then do that. Father, we put no limits on you today. We're not here to have church as usual. We're not here to be religious and we're not here to do a program. We're here because you are God and we worship you in Jesus name. If you agree, amen. amen. So here's what I'm going to say. If at any point you feel that, if at any point you're like, there's, I don't know for me, it's like, I feel like if I don't do what God's asking me to do right now, my guts are just going to come spewing right out my belly button. That's the vision that I get. So if at any point you feel like you might have guts spewing out your belly button, then just do what God is asking you to do. If you're supposed to get up and go sit next to somebody else and just quietly pray for them, do that. I'm asking you to be obedient to God this morning. I'm giving you permission. You're not going to disturb me. So if anybody gets up and moves, just look at that person and say, praise the Lord, they're being obedient to God. All right, we're in agreement? Okay. So this morning, we're going to continue in our series of uh, Where Are My Davids? And this series was inspired by our wonderful prayer team here at N3C. And uh, they got a word as they were praying. And uh, the, the word that came to them was God asking, where are my Davids? And we've had a wonderful series of teachings in this. And when I look at this, what I see is that, and, and Darren started off with saying this, is this is not a question to men, David being a man. This is not a question being posed to men. This is a question being posed to all of his children. Where are my Davids? And when I look at this, the thing that I always uh, remember is that when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. When God asks a question, it is an invitation to engage with him in a conversation from your heart. When God asks a question, it is an invitation for thoughtfulness of heart. So this question that God is presenting to us, and I believe that this is coming at a divine time, at a Kairos moment, that we are as a family and as a church in this Kairos moment, we're hearing uh, messages from other churches and other spaces having this same conversation about David. But when God asks this question, he's not asking the question spatially. He's asking the question spiritually. He's not asking, where are you? I can't find you. Where are you geographically? He's asking the question spiritually. He's giving us the opportunity with this question to rest in him for a moment. As the Lord spoke to me a few years back of learning to linger in the question that God is asking. Because when God has a question, he's putting his finger on something that he's wanting us to be aware of. And in the culture that we're living in right now, our attention is easily distracted. I'm speaking for myself. That is why I sit on the front row. Because if I'm not on the front row, I'm looking at everybody else. Oh my gosh, her hair is so cute. I think that's a new color. It looks so good on her. Oh my gosh, aren't they cute worshiping together? Look at them. They're holding hands. Like I'm so distracted. Front row. It's not because I'm so holy. It's because I got to be on the front row or I'm distracted. In the culture that we're in, our attention is easily distracted. 
and it's being distracted to be placed on other people. Social media is a huge tool for that. Our eyes are a big tool for that. But our attention is being distracted to be put on other people. And when that happens, the conversation that takes place on the inside of us is accusation, comparison, judgment, criticism, and jealousy. All of these things are the narrative to place our attention on other people and not be receptive to the conversation and the question that God is pouring out into our heart. See, in the world, this narrative causes division and it drives hatred. But what I heard God say is this narrative in the church causes religion. It causes a religious spirit where we begin. What is a religious spirit? A religious spirit is when, because I've got Jesus in my heart, I'm better than you. My Bible's bigger than you. I drive to church before you do. I sit further up front than you do. And I don't know what you're doing, but it's not what I'm doing because I'm more holy than you. And a religious spirit will go on and use the word of God to justify its position. That's why that spirit is so difficult to deal with. Because it uses the word and twists it and manipulates it in a way to place judgment and disqualification on other people. All the while placing a blindfold over ourselves and plugs in our ears so that we are deaf to what God is speaking to us while we're judging other people. It's a religious spirit. But see, at the same time, our attention can be distracted. I don't know about you ladies, but I am the best Holy Spirit for my husband. I know what he should be doing all the time. Right? Ladies, can I get an amen? (laughs) And all the men said, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Here's what I've learned. The minute I start praying to God about my husband, God, please tell him to do this. Please tell him to do this. God sits back and he goes, girl, you are a mess. And the very thing I'm wanting God to talk to him about, he starts talking to me about. I quit doing that 20 plus years ago. I don't talk to God about nothing my husband should be doing anymore because every time he starts coming at me, I'm like, ooh, shut that down. (laughs) I don't do that. But what I do do is I know what my husband needs. I know what my children need. I know what my friends need. So when I engage God and I'm reading or I'm praying, oh God, do this for them. Do this for them. God, they need this. They need this. Do this for them. And all the while, God is saying, psst, this Bible, it applies to you too. So let's read it for you. Let's go back and do that again. And I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying to you. Because I'm praying for everybody else. Anybody else? I'm not alone. So God is speaking to us. He's pouring out his word to us when he says to us, where are my Davids? And the scripture that we based this series on was out of Acts chapter 13 and 22, where God is calling David a man after his own heart. So where I want to jump off into David's story, where I felt impressed and where I come at this is in uh, 
David's story, the backstory I want to give to you is a little bit is I'm going to go from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you want to, you can turn there, but I'm going to give you a little bit of what's going on. We're going to set the stage a little bit in David's life. If you are new here and you don't know who David is and everybody's talking about David, David is a man that you can read about. And actually, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, but uh, did anybody ever watch soap operas? You don't have to raise your hand. Does anybody like a good drama? Anybody like a good suspense? Anybody like a good, you know, like shoot them up, explode them movie? It's all in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Like if they made a movie out of this, it would be X-rated. It is like, oh my gosh, I start reading these things and I get completely and totally sucked in because it's the very best story I've ever read. So we're jumping into David's life. David was a simple shepherd boy that was taking care of his father's sheep and the prophet Samuel, that's, that's the, the books, first and second Samuel, the prophet Samuel came and anointed David to be king. But when he anointed David to be king, there was somebody else that was king at the time. That is a problem both for David and for the man that was king at the time. So he anoints David to be king when he was just a young boy, but the only people that knew about it were his dad and his brothers. Well, when Saul, the man who was the sitting king at the time, found out that David had been anointed to be king or was seeing all of these kingly qualities and leadership, kingly leadership coming out of David, he began to feel threatened. And a series of events, which you can read about it, but Saul started trying to kill David. Because if he could kill David, his kingship was safe and the threat and the jealousy that he felt for David would be gone. The people wouldn't admire him anymore, but they would admire Saul again, the sitting king. So Saul sought to kill David. So David fled his country. He fled his father's house and he and about 400 of his men took refuge in the wilderness. And when they took refuge in the wilderness, they began to form their own tribe of people, so to speak. And this group of people banded together and they lived together and they set up their own community and they would go out and fight battles. Well, one day when they went out to fight battle, they came home to find terrible destruction had taken place. The men had gone off to battle and when they came home, everything had been burned and all of their children and their wives had been taken. So when we read in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 3, it says this. So David and his men came to the city And there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him, his men lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. I don't know about y'all, but that's like, that's more than just, you know, emotional crying. That's like some serious, that serious, uh, crying out coming out there. And I don't know, uh, Darren, one of his favorite movies is The Gladiator. And the scene from The Gladiator, I can't watch The Gladiator. Like he will watch it no matter where it's at. He wants to watch The Gladiator. It's too much for me. It's too much. When, I don't know if you all, how many of you in here watch The Gladiator? Yeah. When Maximus comes home from war and he comes home and finds his entire home and his compound burned to the ground and his wife and his son have been murdered. This right here, this is worse than the gladiator. Like 
So I'm just painting that picture for you because when I read this, this is what I think of with David. It's been put in a, in a picture in a movie for us. So anyway, it goes on in verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 6. And it says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That word strengthened, depending on the translation that you read it out of, that word strengthened in the Hebrew means that he became powerful, to be victorious, to establish oneself, and to press on and to encourage. So today, I ask that question to you, where are my Davids? Because God is asking us in this time, are you skilled in the discipline of strengthening yourself in me? When God asks us that question, he's asking, are you skilled in the discipline of strengthening yourself in the Lord? Where are my Davids? See, this resonates with me, David strengthening himself in the Lord, because it should resonate with you. And here's why. Because nobody else has walked where you're walking. People, you know, when you share your story or you share what's going on in your life, oh, I know. Oh, my, my Aunt Betty and her, her little dog, Dodo, they went through that same thing. And you're like, you don't even know. Your Aunt Betty don't know nothing. And it's because nobody has walked where you've walked. Nobody has experienced what you've experienced. Nobody has things affect you the way that things affect you. And some people might say, well, and and they even disqualify their own feelings and saying, I shouldn't be feeling this heavily about this. What is wrong with me? But you have been where you've been and your experience has been your experience and no one else has walked that out except God. Because God goes before you. He knows the end from the beginning and the only one who has walked that out and truly knows exactly how you feel is God. He goes before you and he goes behind you. He is your front runner and he's your rear guard. So wherever you go, he's already walked through it. So when you look for a situation that you are in that you need to be strengthened, it's any situation where you are needing to be victorious, where you're needing to be encouraged, where you're needing to be victorious, and where you're needing to press on. Everybody in here has that somewhere in your life. We all can connect with David on this. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, that's just one scripture. That's just a few little words right there. Well, actually, the book of Psalms, the entire book of Psalms, is David encouraging himself in the Lord. So I want to go with you to Psalms, and I want to read out of Psalms, and I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation today. Because if you don't have the Passion Translation, if you read nothing else but the book of Psalms in the Passion Translation, you're going to find yourself over and over and over again in the book of Psalms with David. And the book of Psalms is written uh, primarily by David, 
It is written through different stages. He writes, uh, the book of Psalms is, goes throughout different seasons of his life. And so you can dig through and you can find different Psalms. You can see David's heart. It's basically his soul being poured out. And anything that you felt or anything that you've gone through, David's been there, done that. And you can find yourself in the book of Psalms and you can find yourself with David hiding in the wilderness in a cave needing to be encouraged. So I have written down four keys. There's more than that, but I'm the one talking today, so I'm giving you four keys. (laughs) So these are the ones that I'm going to give to you. There's certainly more. And as you go through that and you dig through there, you can find more. But these are the ones that uh, stuck out for me. And so this is what I'm going to share with you today. And the first one, these are in no particular order, but as you read through the Psalms, you will find each one of these keys in there over and over and over again. And the first one is that when David strengthened himself in the Lord, one of the things that he did is that he would declare who God is and recognize him as God. He would make declaration of awe. He would make declaration of God's majesty And of God's love. And one example of that is in Psalms 18. I'm going to give you an example for each one. So if you want to write these down or jot them in your phone so that you can go back and have these when you need them. Psalm 18 in verses 1 and 2 says this. I love you, Yahweh, and I'm bonded to you, my strength. Look here. While we're reading through this, look and see all of the names, all of the ways that David recognizes God. He says, I'm bonded to you, my strength. Yahweh, you are the bedrock beneath my feet, my faith faith fortress, my wonderful deliverer, my God, my rock of rescue where none can reach me. You're the shield around me, the mighty power that saves me and my high place. In that short little section of scripture, David repeatedly over and over recognizes who God is, calling out his identity in his life and reminding himself, you are God and you're all that I need. Another key is over and over, you will see in Psalms that David repents. Repentance is a huge part of strengthening yourself in the Lord. And some people have like a real negative feeling about repentance. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is the opportunity to be humble. Repentance is simply the position of saying, God, I'm not perfect. I don't know everything and I miss it sometimes. And when I do, I recognize that you are God and I turn to you to get correct wisdom. I turn away from what? missed you and I turned to where you're going and what you're doing. And I think one of the most beautiful, this is one of my favorites is Psalm 139 in verse 23 and 24. It says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on 
and lead me back to your glorious everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. That is a beautiful prayer of repentance. See, repentance, sometimes we think of, well, it's where I'm, you know, well, I didn't murder anybody. I didn't get drunk last night. I haven't slept around this week. I have, you know, whatever. I didn't flip anybody off on the way to church today. You know, we think about things like that. But what about, what about areas where we're not trusting him? What about the areas where our emotion that comes up is instant rage? I don't know about you, but when I bump my head, instant rage. Like that's one thing that can set me off right now. So I'm, I'm, I need to work on that. <laughs> Rhett says tripping over stuff also sends him. <laughs> But think about the attitudes and the thoughts that we carry that are not the thoughts that God is thinking. And if the thought that we're thinking goes contrary to the thought that God is thinking, that's an area where we're walking in pain that we need to turn back and begin to walk with him again. Walking in pain? Yeah, because if you're walking in a path that is not what God is thinking, you're walking in a path where you're having to do it on your own, under your own strength, your own resources, your own power, your own exertion, your own time, and it's wearing you out and causing you pain, whether you know it or not. So he says, lead me back to your glorious, everlasting way, the path that brings me back to you. Repentance. The third one that we see over and over is that David remembers and he calls to mind the words and the works of God. He recalls and he reminds himself over and over again in his conversations with God, God, this is what you did when I was facing this. God, this is how you rescued me. God, this is how you healed my hurt. God, this is how you took care of me. In Revelations 19, 11, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what that means is that when we recall, you guys have heard me say this over and over, when we recall the testimony, the story of what Jesus did, what it does is it prophesies to the future of what he did, he will do it again. If he healed, he will do it again. If he delivered, he will do it again. If he restored, he will do it again. If he set free, he will do it again. When we recall the testimony, when we tell the story, what we're doing is we're declaring what God has done. We're planting a seed that what God has done, he will do again. And we're declaring our faith and we're releasing that because there is life and death and the power of our tongue. And how many words do we say a day? And if we are going to be held accountable for every idle word that we speak, I want to be speaking what God is speaking. I want to be telling his story. I want to be one who is giving the testimony of of what Jesus has done because every time I tell the story, I'm planting a seed for a future harvest. I'm planting a seed that will come up when I need it. I'm planting a seed that's going to produce. When we tell the story, we're creating a future harvest that we will need, that will be a blessing. If you don't like the harvest you're getting, stop saying what you're saying. Recall and bring to remembrance. In Psalms 18, verse start, starting in verse 31, I'm going to go through 36, it says this. Could there be any other God like Yahweh? For there is not a more secure foundation than you, 
God, you have wrapped me in your power and made my path perfect. Through you, I ascend to the highest peaks to stand strong and secure in you. You've trained me with the weapons of warfare, worship. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You empower me for victory with your wraparound presence. Your power within makes me strong to subdue. By stooping down in gentleness, you made me great. See how he's speaking. There are things that he speaks in past tense, what you have done. What he's doing is he's recounting, not only reminding himself, reminding God and every other spirit that's listening. So he finishes out by saying, you've set me free and now I'm standing complete, ready to fight some more. Mm. The fourth one. So declare who he is, repentance, remember, and the last one is to declare God's promises. So David would recall what God has done in the past, but he would also prophesy to the future. He would make declarations and he did some of that and what we just read. But what, when you say prophesy, well, can I prophesy? I'm not a prophet. I'm not called to be a prophet. Am I a prophet? You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Everybody who has made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life that has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The Bible says that that is your guarantee, that that is what seals you, that says, yes, I am marked by the Spirit of God and not anybody and no one can change that. I am a child of God. And because I am a child of God, I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is in me. And I release that power through my declarations. That's one way to release the power of God. Do you have to be a prophet to do that? No. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and every single one of us is called to prophesy. What is prophesying? Prophesying is speaking the word of God, creating and partnering with the great creator with your words for the future. How much crap is being put out there through the negative news and through all the gossip and all of the talk that's taking place? How much is being created out there with that? How much as we, as the church, are doing it, complaining and griping and sowing discord because we don't like this person, this person doesn't agree with our political affiliation, this person doesn't agree with me and where I stand on this or that, that is not in the scripture that you are not to speak negatively and to sow discord and to speak and call your brother Reka, which is an empty head that is spoken deliberately in the Bible. And it doesn't say unless they don't agree with your political affiliation. Oh, y'all I'm, I'm doing that better than you're agreeing right now. The church is using the power of their tongue to partner with exactly what the enemy is wanting us to do by shifting our attention and putting our focus on a narrative of negativity. Exactly what Bailey was saying, where you start thinking, well, there's nobody in here that's agreeing with me because I'm a Christian. No, it's because you're blending in and you're sounding just like everybody else in the room. 
we have a mandate to speak differently, to talk differently. And when we begin to talk differently, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When your heart is in line, your mouth will be in line. Who y'all. Okay. So here's the thing. You want to know the thing? Back in 2019, you know, everybody's praying, oh, the year 2020 is the year of perfect vision. The year 2020, it's the year that everything is going to line out. You know what? Uh, no, I didn't hear nobody. 2020, it's the year that the doo-doo is going to hit the fan, y'all. Be ready. I didn't hear nobody saying that. I didn't hear nobody saying there's this thing called COVID. I've never heard of it before, but God says, be ready. Amen. Just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> 2019, I wasn't here and I was like, God, what are you saying? God didn't speak to me about 2020. God spoke to me about the decade. And when he spoke to me about the decade, what I got was this is going to be a long haul. God is not looking short term. He's looking over the long span because when God speaks, when God thinks, God thinks in three generations, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when God talks, he doesn't talk to us about just today. When God is speaking, he's speaking to us about the generations. So what I heard in 2019 was this is the decade of declaration. 2020 was the Hebrew year 5280 and the number 80 is in alignment with the Hebrew letter pay, which is the mouth. It's an open mouth in the Hebrew alphabet. It is the decade of declaration, which means what comes out of our mouths is vitally important for our future and our well-being. Amen. The decade. Y'all, we're only two years in. <laughs> but here's the thing. If we're sowing and planting a good crop now, like what David teaches us to do to encourage ourselves in the Lord, our decade's going to be amazing. We're going to have good to come. We're going to have more than enough. We're not going to be without. I can tell you that trusting God, uh, to, in all honesty, the diesel truck doesn't move from the driveway as much as it used to. I have a bug. I could go anywhere in my bug for 10 bucks, man. It's amazing. But here's what I am saying. Trusting God and strengthening yourself in the Lord, whatever the gas prices are now, are a lot easier to come by than what it was when we were very first starting in our journey of faith. And gas, 99 cents for diesel. Because it was a choice then, do we put $10 of diesel in the truck or do we put $5 in and have $5 to eat on? That was the choice. When you strengthen yourself in the Lord, you are looking to God to be your provider and you are trusting that he is God and he is all I need. He is more than enough. So do you want to know what happened to David and his men? Cause they were, they were sad. First Samuel 30 in verse seven goes on and says, then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. 
So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. See, when you strengthen yourself in the Lord, you're not running out ahead of God and asking God to bless what you do. God, I'm doing this. Please bless it. He's not obligated to our stupidity. I've done some stupid stuff, y'all, and asked God to bless it. And you know what? God is good. Amen. I'm still here to tell the story, but I have done some stupid stuff. And then wanted God to back it up. Like, God, I'm going to go pick this fight. Are you behind me? It's like, girl. (laughs) David sought the Lord's counsel. When we encourage ourselves in the Lord, part of that as as an outcome of encouraging and strengthening ourselves in the Lord is that we will seek his counsel. We'll seek his direction. And sometimes we think, well, I know what the word says. I'm going to do this. Well, yes. What does the word say now? What is God saying now? The revelation that you had last week, God's moved on. Revelation is still true, but what's God saying now? We have to be paying attention to what he's saying moment by moment. We live on his every word. He is our daily bread. What is God saying now? When we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, the Lord positions us with his direction and his wisdom, and he positions us for victory. No matter what the situation looks like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the feeling is right now, no matter what it looks like right now, God is positioning you for victory. When you strengthen yourself in the Lord and you seek his counsel. God knew that we would need to be strengthened. God knew that we would go through moments, that we would go through seasons that things would be hard, that there would be times when we weep until there is no strength left within us. God knew that we would face uncertainty in the world around us. God knew that we would face things that break our heart, that we would experience hurt, that we would see things that we never thought that we would see. God knew that we would need to be strengthened. Just, this is very simple but it doesn't have to be some big tragedy. Uh, two weeks ago, our daughter moved into her very first home outside of home. She moved out. Yeah, yeah. And then two days later, Darren left. Not left me. <laughs> We're still okay, y'all. Two days later, I've been trying to get a vacation for my husband for two years. And I marked it off on the calendar. And I said, I don't care where you go and what you do, but you're not going to be here. Well, it just so coincided with when Riata moved out. So my daughter moved out. And then two days later, my husband left to be out of town for two weeks. I said, don't come home for two weeks. I don't care where you go. Just don't don't come home. It was in a nice way. 
because I was being the Holy Spirit for him, right? (laughs) Well, he left that morning, and I turned around, and I look at my golden retriever and my red healer, and I start talking to them. (laughs) And there was a moment that day where I thought I could start crying, and if I cry, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop. So I decided I'll just shall not do that today. So I turned on uh, uh, Christian preaching, and I had Christian preaching going on almost the whole time Darren was gone. That Rhett would come to work, or the kids would come to the house. They're probably like, "Whoa, mom! Mom's like turned into a holy roller." <laughs> but I needed to be strengthened. And if any of y'all have heard me for very long, you know that one of the battles that I battle is fear. I, there, I, let me tell you what was not going on in my house. There was no criminal minds. There was no CSI. There was no dateline neighbors just turning up dead and floating in the lake. There was none of that going on in my house. All right. I was like, ah, devil's not sneaking in through the back door. That's how I was feeling about that. So what was going on? Man, I had preaching going on. I was listening to worship music. I had things constantly encouraging me because I knew when it gets dark, the enemy's going to try and take advantage of me. And I'm not going to have that. I will not be afraid in my own home. I won't be afraid to be by myself. I won't be afraid of being lonely. I won't be afraid of getting up and... But can I just tell you, can I tell you, when I'm the only one home, what is it that the dogs are barking at during the middle of the night? (laughs) When I'm the only one home is when the raccoon decides to break into the back porch. What the heck? (laughs) It's like like the enemy's going, are you sure? (laughs) Yes. But I had to strengthen myself. So I was, I was reminding myself of all of the times that God has saved me, the times that I've been afraid and it was nothing, that it was whispers from the enemy trying to speak fear to me. When all the times that I thought, how am I going to feel when I'm an empty nester? When people talk about, it's because I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I'm not going to get sad. This is a new season in my life. And yeah, it's not some big tragedy, but I'm not going to make it a tragedy. I talk to some people that their kids move out, their marriages fall apart. They go into counseling. They don't know what to do. They're like, we don't even know who we are. You know what? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Press into God in those times. God knew that we would need to be strengthened. God knew that we would need direction and wisdom because he has planned for us the victory. Because in 2 Timothy, in verse 1, in in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. God knew that we would need to be strengthened And that is why in the wilderness, when he called his children to Mount Sinai, his heart and his desire was to give himself to his people. So we fast forward and here we sit on the day of Pentecost when God met with his people in a room. It was an upper room. Here we are on the floor level. 
But I would say in spirit, we have elevated. And he gathered the people together. Jesus had been crucified on the cross. And then for 10 days after he was resurrected, he, or 40 days, he walked with his disciples and he ministered to them and he brought restoration and healing to Peter. He demonstrated his power. He showed them not even death can hold me down. Everything that I told you was true. And then he told them, he said, I want you to go and I want you to gather together in a room and I want you to wait there because the promise is coming. And I want to ask you this morning, what area of your life has God said to you, wait on me because the promise is coming? What is it that you're walking through right now where you need the promise, you need the victory? What area of your life are you walking through where God is telling you, wait on me? Because what he does, he finishes in a good way. And if it's not good yet, he's not done yet. God brings all things to the good for those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. How many called people do we have in this room? Every hand should shoot up in the air. If it's not good yet, he's not done yet. So when he told his people to gather together in the upper room, he ascended into the heavenly place. And for 10 days, they waited. Day one, they prayed. It says that they were waiting all together and they were in unity. And they would encourage one another day after day, waiting day five, waiting on the promise. Where would you be on day five? Where are you at right now in day five of your wait? Year five. He said to wait because on the 10th day, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, this is what happened in Acts chapter two. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place and suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. That's today. When we celebrate things, when we look forward to things, I look forward to today. Because today is a celebration of remembrance of what God did. Won't he do it again? So I want to ask you this morning, I want to invite you into a time of practicing what we just learned. We're going to practice strengthening ourselves in the Lord is God asks us this morning, are you skilled in the discipline of strengthening yourself in the Lord? So I want to invite you to just practice what we just learned. Just practicing, declaring who God is. So just get comfortable where you're at. I want to open up the front 
If anybody wants to come up to the front, kneel, stand. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come up here. If you want to close your eyes and just settle into where you're at, if you want to stand. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, as you sit, just hold your hands open like this. As you stand, if you need to come take communion, do that. But here we celebrate today. One of the greatest gifts that we've received is the Holy Spirit on the inside of us because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So invite him right now. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me by your spirit. I stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. My strengthener, my comforter, my shield, my rock. Holy Spirit, strengthen us on the inside. And practicing doing this here, you can do this anywhere, anytime. Because Monday morning, maybe you're going to hear something that you don't want to hear or, or you're at home by yourself and there's no one there to tell you that everything's going to be okay. You're going to need to access the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to strengthen yourself in the Lord. So just open your hands, opening your heart to heaven and just invite him, Lord, come fill me. Come fill me and strengthen me. Remind me, remind me right now of all of the times that you have rescued me, that you have saved me, that you've been good to me. Remind me, Father, to be thankful that I can breathe. Remind me, Father, for eyes that see and ears that hear. Remind me, Father, thank you for the vehicle that I drove to get me here today. And if you're believing God for a vehicle, thank him for the vehicle that's coming. God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the legs that I walk on. Thank you for my hands that move and that feed me, that stretch out and worship to you. God, thank you. Thank you for who you've made me to be. Thank you for placing me here in this time. Thank you, God, that you are God. I am not. And even though I don't understand everything that's happening right now, God, I recognize that you are God. You are the creator. You are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are love. You are the one who loves me with a love beyond anything that I could ever imagine, that I could ever wrap my human mind around. That God, you are a love that is greater than any mistake I've made, anything from my past, <clears throat> that your love rescues me. And God, if there is any way, any path that I've traveled that isn't your best for me, if there's a choice that I've made that has altered my path, that has drawn me away from you, if there's anything in my life that I'm doing right now, God, that is separating me from you, putting a distance between us, God, I turn away from it and lead me back to you. I drop it right now in Jesus' name. I let it go. Specifically, right now I'm hearing, if there is unforgiveness towards anyone, let it go. Repent of the unforgiveness right now and let it go. Father, I remember all the good things you've done for me. And what you have done, you will do again and again and again and again think of all his goodness 
And right now, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Just begin to speak out loud. You don't have to do it loud. You can just whisper it. But it is the decade of declaration, and it is imperative that you open your mouth. And if all you know to say is, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, then begin to speak that out. If there are things that you're believing for, things that you've been praying for, begin to pray and to declare it as done, that it is finished. Begin to speak that over your situation. If you've never invited Jesus Christ to come into your life, to walk with you and to be your savior, do it right now. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I hook arms with you. I link hearts with you and I walk with you. And when you do that, you get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's placed there as a reminder, as a guarantee, and as a promise of now who you belong to. So every person with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, take one of those hands that's open to heaven and just place it right here on your gut. Holy Spirit, stir on the inside of me. Holy Spirit, fill me up just as you did on the day of Pentecost as they gathered together in the upper room. Fill me. Fill me. Strengthen me. Empower me. Fill me up, God. God, inspire me with your creativity. Inspire me to think outside the box. Free my thinking and the mind that you have given me, God, to dream with you. To think beyond what is and to partner with your creativity and your imagination, God. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill me up. Spirit of God, stir on the inside of me and strengthen me in your holiness right now. Strengthen me in your love. Strengthen me in your power. God, you are God and you are good. You are love. You are perfection. You are holiness. You are righteousness. You are beauty. You are purity. You are everything good. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Thank you, God. Fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up. Thank you, Father. Yet I believe with all my heart that I will see again your goodness, Yahweh in the land of life eternal. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you.